ready for some football? <laughs> it sounded like you were still doing like a level check. <laughs> are you are yeah, you funny. are you ready for some football? I'm asking I wanted to ask in the most serious manner that I could. Are you ready for some football, Ted? I mean, I guess uh I <laughs> I have been actively trying to avoid the Super Bowl commercials uh yeah. on like Twitter and uh just a- everything online because I like watching them during the game. And as I'm watching this episode last night on Hulu is Google's Super Bowl commercial. So oh, I, the really sad one. So I couldn't avoid it. And Tim, this thing made Grace and I both ball. No, I'm not surprised. I watched it by myself, and I'm glad I did because nobody was home. And um, yeah, and I was definitely tearing up. Like we weren't even just tearing up; we were ugly crying. <laughs> like, good Christ! Ah. Yeah, if you're listening to this in the future, after the Google-Amazon wars of uh, 2034 or whatever, whenever it happens, uh, <laughs> and the Great Marine Revolution yeah. of uh, 2035, um, this is the one we're talking where the, where the guy tries to get, you know, help. Google helps him remember his uh, late wife, Loretta. It's yes. the Loretta ad. Yeah. Yes, it's a, it's a 90-second ad, which is not a cheap uh, not a cheap ad for Google, but I mean, it's not like they I hope can't they can afford, afford it. it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, well, I was wondering if they were going to show the whole thing during the Super Bowl, whether that is just going to cut it to a minute or shorter. Um, I don't know. I definitely feel like they're going to show the full ad because yeah, uh, they they definitely could. Oh boy, this it was rough. Um, because I mean, Grace's Grace's grandma uh, had Alzheimer's when she passed. Mm-mm. And uh, I just lost my grandpa uh, like a year and a half ago. So it's still like very, very tender subjects for both of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's one reason that I, I've started watching them because A, you know, when I when I see them a second time, I can notice, you know, they, they, they bear rewatching. Just like yeah. Seinfeld in that in that that's way, true. but the, the ads the ads bear rewatching, so you know I can I can make sure I catch stuff the second time around, and um, you know just just uh, uh, I guess that's the reason. Why. I used to avoid them too, but now for some reason I I'll uh, I'll check them out. I'm I'm really excited about the movie trailers. That seems to be like what the Super Bowl really where it really <laughs> shines these days. Like you know movie new movie trailers will come out during the Super Bowl. So yeah, um, and those I I hardly ever see pop up ahead of time. So I am psyched about that. If like you do see them pop up, they're usually like teasers or something. Yeah, yeah, the trailers for the trailers, which is a trend <laughs> that I hate, definitely. But there, there's a trailer. It's like full trailer coming during the Ugh. Super Bowl. I'm like, uh, okay, what's the point of this then? This was someone's job for an entire week was to make this trailer for a trailer. Yeah, and it's like, and some guy who like, well, you know, that's an art form. You know, a lot of people I've seen reports on are the people who make movie trailers and stuff like that. And so imagine like they came to the guy and they were like. All right, you get to make the trailer for the big game. Oh my, I get to make the Super Bowl trailer for Mission Impossible 9 or whatever. Like, <laughs> oh no, you're making you're making the trailer for the trailer. You're making the commercial that tells people to watch the commercial. <laughs> what I do Yeah, it's like 10 seconds. Cut it to 9 if you can. I mean, oh. 9.5, 9. fade to black at the yeah. end. Be, be courteous to <laughs> yeah. whoever's after us. Yeah, yeah. And I know there are movie trailer, you know, there's awards, there's an award show for movie trailers. I hope there's an award show soon for the trailer trailers. Like, so. <laughs> and the award for the best trailer for the trailer goes to Avengers Endgame or whatever. And it'd be really short. They could show all the nominees like right then. In like a minute. They could have 10 yeah. nominees and they could show them in a minute. Yeah, in real time. <laughs> 
So, all right, we should get started, I guess. Okay. Um, did we? Right. Did we have any homework from last week? Well, let me first welcome everybody to No Hugging, No Learning. Oh, it is the show about one thing. <laughs> Watching Seinfeld for the first time. I am Tim Murphy. And I am Ted Hollowell. <laughs> Damn it, who put that question mark there? <laughs> I like all the weird inflections, the different inflections. Well, let me first welcome everyone to... Uh, yeah, we, we did have some homework, actually. Not too much, but there is some uh, uh, fun trivia and stuff, as, as there always is. So we might as well get to that. Jerry, when he is talking about, uh, you know, when, when Elaine falsely says that he is her legal representation and she is going to sue uh, Renitzi's oh, yeah. for displaying the mannequin uh, that looks like her, especially in the salacious way they just had. He says, oh, well, there's definitely been precedent. There's Winchell versus Mahoney. There's the Charlie McCarthy hearings. And so here are what those references mean. Winchell versus Mahoney refers to Paul Winchell, an American ventriloquist and comedian, etc., um, and whose career flourished in the 1950s and 60s, where Jerry's pop culture radar... <laughs> Ended. <laughs> we we guess that too. We guess yeah. there's like, oh yeah, it's probably like some comedian from the fifties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I did go as far back as WW two, but uh, <laughs> you know, so it's definitely definitely the during the baby boom. I guess you, could say. you said uh, you said his career peaked in the fifties and sixties. I think the sixties is like cutting edge for Jerry. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a late ref for him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and from 50 to 54, he hosted the Paul Winchell Show, and his dummy's name, well, he, I think he had maybe a few, but his, his dummy's name was Jerry Mahoney. So Winchell versus Mahoney was was the reference there. Oh, okay. Um, but get this, I learned a little bit more about Paul Winchell. He was the original voice of Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. Whoa, okay. And Dick Dastardly, who, you know, da- uh, Dick Dastardly and Muttley, the you know two villains from Wacky Racers and stuff like that, the Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Mm-hmm. And he was the voice of Gargamel from the Smurfs. Oh man! And other and other characters. Yeah. And get this: he was interested and involved in technology until the time of his death. He created and maintained a personal website until 2004. He died in 05 when he was 82. So when he was like 80 and 81, he was running his own website. <laughs> wow! That is crazy in 04. That's awesome, though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he also had, uh, he was a critic of religion. He said it brought more chaos to humanity than any other invention of man. And so he ran a theology website called protectgod.com in, in the <laughs> latter years of his life, too. So his own personal website, a, a theology blog, um, and yeah, and then he died uh, in, in 05, in 19, in, uh, at the age of 82, rather. Man, RIP, jeez. Yeah. I know. Uh, and then the Charlie McCarthy hearings, I did... Uh, know that this was the name of a dummy i forgot who his operator was i don't know i'm sorry if any ventriloquist dummies are triggered i don't know the proper <laughs> nomenclature i don't know if operator is the right i don't, I don't know if dummies appropriate anymore we've got um, we've got uh jeff dunham and terry fader fans <laughs> fuming at this right now yes how dare you use the d word but so charlie mccarthy the charlie mccarthy hearings is uh, refers to the dummy of edgar bergen the american actor comedian radio performer all of ventriloquist and uh, Mortimer Snurd was another one of his characters, but Charlie McCarthy was, uh, you know, kind of when you think ventriloquist dummy, you might think of Charlie McCarthy like I think he had a, a monocle and that sort of like that old style tuxedo, you know, and, and sort of the uh, Alfred E. Newman look, but with a monocle, you know, kind of like, I don't know, just I, I feel like he's the the ultimate ventriloquist dummy when you think generic ventriloquist dummy, you go back to that first design, I think. See, when I think of a ventriloquist dummy, I think of Goosebumps. What's Goosebumps. 
Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that Goosebumps <laughs> dummy is probably based a little bit on Charlie McCarthy. I, I thought for a second you were not going to have any idea what Goosebumps was. <laughs> and I got, I, w- I got super worried. I'm like, Tim, this isn't just my generation. Like, this was popular when you were a kid, too. No, definitely. The books were, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought Goosebumps was the name of a dummy. I'm like, oh, who's, who oh, operates? No. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Hollowell and Goosebumps, everybody. What are you doing today, Goosebumps? Well, I don't know, Ted. I'm a... <laughs> <laughs> that's what amazes me by the way about ventriloquism is like it really got its start and its big bump on the radio which is like the dumbest thing because ventriloquism to me like jokes almost come second to that guy is talking without moving his mouth that's my draw to ventriloquist <laughs> yeah and like it's not something that you need to see to or, no actually on on the contrary it's something you need to see to really get because otherwise it's just a guy doing two voices <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so I can appreciate it on that level, like as a radio performer, like, wow, that'd be fun to do, like just do two voices, you know, um, and I know there are people that uh, that have made their living doing that. I can't remember the guy's name right now, but he had like, you know, a whole cavalcade of characters that were just his, dang, I can't remember his name. But anyway, you know, and, and just you'd go back and forth, like one's on the phone and one's on in real life. So <laughs> that's like, that's a talent in and of itself. But to me, like most ventriloquists, I'm like, well, that's not really that funny, but I'm like, how is he talking without moving his mouth? That's job one to me. <laughs> yeah, the, the jokes are always secondary. Yeah, the jokes are like, uh, it's, uh, I guess that's funny. I mean, you know, but the not talking while talking thing is amazing. But that, that's what's funny about, you know, the, all these ventriloquists from obviously Jerry Seinfeld's heyday is that they got their starts on like <laughs> in pre-TV, you know, it was like the radio and then they tour and stuff. But, and that, but you know, on the radio, it's like, well, I, I wouldn't, if, if you were a ventriloquist, I, would you still not move your mouth if you were on the radio, or would you like like phone it in and go, "Oh man, I'm going to take it easy." I mean, it, you could definitely phone it in and take it easy, but it, it might be better to just kind of like keep up the act because you don't want to slip out of it when you're actually performing in front of a crowd. You know? <laughs> yeah, that would be hilarious too. Like uh, Edgar, your mouth is definitely moving. Which oh crap, I forgot this was live. <laughs> <laughs> But even then, think back to um, think back to the nineteen forties, fifties, and sixties. They're not. There's no jumbotron in the theater, so like you could also pretty much phone it in there, and only the people in the expensive seats are going to know the difference. You know, <laughs> even if you're moving your lips a little bit, they might be like, yeah. "Hey, it, it, it looks like he's mouthing something to the dummy." Oh wait, yeah. it's him talking. Just like Dave Chappelle does with cell phones these days, I'd make you drop your opera glasses and your binoculars like in a bag that you get back at the end of my performance. If, you, <laughs> if I was Edgar Bergen back in the days, like, all right, no opera glass. You can't stare at his mouth the whole time okay (laughs) (laughs) and then you'll get it back at the end uh but the one last thing i want to mention about edgar bergen is of course he is the father of murphy brown actress candace bergen who has been on seinfeld before oh whoa okay yeah she she played herself well she played murphy brown playing she played candace bergen (laughs) playing murphy brown on on an episode of seinfeld uh, back in season four you might remember (laughs) when kramer got a cameo and actually at one point she did play murphy brown because they showed a clip of murphy brown yeah, yeah. No, I think that's what it. I think that's all she. She was playing herself, playing Murphy Brown on oh, God. Seinfeld. Okay. So yeah, she's playing the Candace Bergen in the Seinfeld universe, <laughs> which is totally different than the Candace Bergen in, in real life. <laughs> Let's see what else I have from the the last episode. the The cast reading took place on January thirteenth, nineteen ninety four, Julia Louis Dreyfus's birthday, but they didn't film it until February of ninety four. But that seems kind of off because, man, this aired in February. Yeah, geez. Well, here's the reason the production uh, schedule might have been that tight because I would normally think they'd do it that week. But there was a 
Northridge, uh, there was an earthquake where they oh. film it out in L.A. Yeah, so the show's production staff considered moving from CBS Studio Center to Paramount Studios, and the stage crew from CBS actually spent three weeks renovating the stage before it was put back into use as CBS considered Seinfeld one of its best tenants. Like, they don't want to lose, you know, the number one show on TV. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And as an additional incentive to come back, CBS planned on renovating its New York street back lot, which actually um, didn't see its appearance until season six. So we're not going to see them on the street again, or at least this new New York street back lot until next season. But, you know, they they were in danger of losing Seinfeld. So they had like three weeks to put the stage back together. I guess it was, you know, damaged to the point where they couldn't even use it. And they almost went to, to Paramount. So maybe that's I guess that's why they had a pretty tight production schedule to get this on the air, though. Man, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. That's really weird. It says the cast. Oh, 94. Okay. It, it is 94 now in in the episodes we're watching, right? Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was still 93. I was like, my, my date calendar was off or something. <laughs> uh, so uh, the episode writer, Tom Gamble, once witnessed a chef leave a restaurant restroom without washing its hands after using the toilet, which, of course, provides a basis for Poppy's story. Oh, my uh, God. And Gamble and his writing partner, Max Pross, named, named Poppy. So we wanted to know, this doesn't answer the question in the universe, but at least we know where they came up with the name of Poppy and why. The whole reason was the setup for the joke, and the original joke was, Poppy's hands are poopy, which was ultimately even, replaced with Poppy's a little bit sloppy. Oh, my God. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I know. The whole thing was to set up Poppy is poopy? Yeah, Poppy's hands are poopy. Good lord. <laughs> yeah, just, that, that just for my, that. That makes my brain hurt. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, it's like not even that good of a joke. And even and then they had to change it to Poppy's a little bit sloppy. Still not great. <laughs> I mean, they, they call it like a climactic line, but it's not. <laughs> it, it really isn't. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then the incident with the pie was based on a real-life incident, as told to the writers by... Jerry Seinfeld himself, oh. and they were kind of struck by how the normally easygoing Jerry Seinfeld was so upset about such a trivial, trivial incident. So this really happened to him that someone wouldn't eat a piece of pie, and they wouldn't tell him why. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, and the character Olive was based on a cashier at the House of Pies, and the original House of Pies is an American restaurant chain started in 1985 by Al Lappin Jr., who is also responsible for bringing us IHOP and Orange Julius and other oh, sort of franchises. Man. He was kind of uh, the godfather of, of franchise system uh, design. And by 86, the franchise chain filed for bankruptcy and closed most of its locations. Aww. But some individually owned and operated restaurants remain in Houston and Los Angeles. Ooh. So this character, Olive, still worked at the one, uh, I guess, in, in Los Angeles. And, and so they based the uh, Olive character on her. And it's still there, apparently. And a second location is coming, judged by their website so if you want to try the house of pies next time you're out in la i do uh, ask them about olive yeah i do want to try the house that. of pies um i don't know i, I mean we're, we're probably a little more inclined to go back to la than we are to houston <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and finally we didn't catch this suzanne snyder played audrey in the pie and she also played eva in season three episode 19 the limo the one george called kind of a cute nazi oh my god yeah, oh my god same wow. person same actress <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're continuously kind of answering Nazi. our own question about why they double dip on actors like that because we don't notice yeah that's true <laughs> yeah but she's kind of a cute nazi she's kind of a cute george she's a nazi she's kind of a cute nazi <laughs> yeah so there there you go that's all i have from the last episode oh man okay well uh do you have any like uh, anything else for news or anything 
I don't think I saw anything. Okay, I don't think anything really came up uh, this past week. Uh, so, okay, if you've never listened to us before, uh, we are not a research-heavy show. We'd like to do our homework the week after, as though we are assigning homework to ourselves. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts, and we will send you a no-hugging, no-learning sticker. Once we get those made, those do not exist yet, but uh, I have priced them out. I have gotten a quote from a sticker websites so we are at least into step one of that process um if we miss something if we egregiously skip over something please send us an email send us a tweet at no hugging or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com uh both those links are in the description or on the apple podcasts page i don't know where they show up on spotify i was trying to i was trying to look they're they they seem to be in the episode description but the only thing that is actually linked is the email. The Twitter isn't linked, and I don't know how to change that, or if you actually can. Mm. Um, other than that, uh, Season 5, Episode 16, The Stand-In, original air date, February 24th, 1994. I was one year, two months, and four days old whenever this aired. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you're going to see... Oh, and I know we had some uh, <laughs> some issues with this last week, so here we go. When Kramer is hired as a stand-in on a soap opera, he befriends a little person, in quotes, but his advice on how to look taller doesn't sit well with the, not in quotes, midget's other friends. Elsewhere, George is ready to break up with his girlfriend. Oh, boy. Oh, my gosh. All right. Yeah, th- this one's going to be another tough one. I should. F- you should like send these to me ahead of time. Because I, I'm gonna, I know you're going to read it like nine times at the end of the episode. <laughs> but all right. All right. We start with a stand-up bit as usual. And I was all ready to jump on this as like not, again, once again, like not woke in 2020. But uh, on the other hand, I really agree with him. And, that's, and so I came around on this bit by really liking it. Jerry calls the bus the single stupidest, fattest, slowest, most despised vehicle on the road. And I was like, whoa, Jerry. Climate change is real. We need public transportation. But then I was like, you know what? That's what I say when I'm not behind a bus. That's what I say when I'm on my couch. When I am behind a bus, I totally agree with Jerry's sentiment. Whenever you're behind a bus, you hate the bus with a passion. Like, especially, I'm sure you'd still remember bus drivers up here. Uh, but like they they almost don't know how to drive. Like they'll just veer out into whatever Ugh. lane you're in, like just to just to get back on the road. I'm like, do you not see me coming? Oh yeah, yeah. Just the and and then when you're behind it, and they're making all those stops or whatever. Like because Jerry mentions it, like you know the, when you get behind a bus, everyone else in the car's like, what are you doing? You're behind the bus, you know. And 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 I like the way that. He talks about you can't look around it. We get more great Jerry Seinfeld profanity. It's like a huge metal ass just blo- <laughs> taking up your entire windshield. And I'm like, yeah. And honestly, I mean, uh, who are who are we to you know tell Jerry Seinfeld how to do his bits? But we you know we do it every week. But I would I would kind of add that in like. You know, we need public transportation. Climate change is real. We need car sharing. We need, you know, HOV lanes. And, that, you know, and that's what I say when I'm on my couch. But when I'm behind a bus, <laughs> I'm like, well, this is just the stupidest. I wish this thing would just, yeah, disappear. And so mm-hmm. that's why I kind of liked the the deeper that I, I dove into this bit. I, I, I kind of, well, even though it was nothing Jerry Seinfeld said himself, he just said the bus is yes. stupid. But I, you know, w- when I projected the way I feel about it in 2020, I'm like, oh, this is actually still kind of a good bit. It is, but like I mean, I I can jump off on like what you're saying. We need like greener buses. We need a high speed rail system in the United States. We need oh, yeah. we need like more like green public transportation. Oh yeah, I I miss. I just had to because my studio moved 
locations and I used to be able to take light rail to the office and now I have to drive my car and it really sucks. Oh, I miss Oh no, really? Yeah, I would go like weeks without even getting in my car. Oh and, man. Yeah. And so now I have to drive every morning and I'm like, well this this sucks. I like just zoning out and, you know, putting in my earbuds and, and stuff like that and uh and now I have to drive. Yeah, and it really blows. There's no like there's no uh stop near the new office at all? Nah, the the Pittsburgh rail system only goes from the South Hills into downtown, and so oh, uh, there's man. no yeah, it doesn't go into the north. Yeah, probably never will. That sucks. What uh, what area is the new office in? It's I always get this mixed up. It's Ross. Yeah, Ross Ro- Township. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, the North Hills. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So you know, like part like parking's not an issue. It's it, and my commute time is even shorter than it than it used to be. Like I can make it there in the morning in like twenty twenty five minutes. Oh, that's not um, bad. As a, as opposed to like thirty or forty when I took light rail, but I still would trade in a second if if it was convenient oh, yeah. for us. To it, it's 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 thirty five forty minutes of just zoning out and not having to worry about driving yourself and worrying yeah. about like other drivers on the road versus totally. twenty twenty five minutes of. Uh, maybe constant anxiety. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we open with George, Jerry and George on a city bus, which is kind of interesting. We've never seen them take the bus before. They've always taken the subway places. It just uh, yeah, it, it seemed kind of weird. Did you? Um, I I definitely noticed like the blue screen behind George <laughs> and Jerry. Did you notice that? Yeah, any <laughs> their driving scenes are always pretty poorly like phoned in as oh, far yeah. as the special I, effects go. <laughs> I mean, like the driving scenes are less noticeable, I think. Yeah, uh, but the the bus, I, I think, it was just because they were sitting right next to the window, and yeah. and for some reason there's like uplighting uh, on their head, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I, I can clearly tell. And I'm looking like through Jerry's hair a little bit to see if I can see some remnants <laughs> of blue. And sure enough, you can. <laughs> yeah. George and his girlfriend are both boring. George is lamenting about this relationship that he's in. And like, we're boring. We have nothing to talk about. We read while when we go out to eat. It doesn't matter. Breakfast, lunch or dinner. Uh, and so he's he's kind of upset about that. And then Jerry and George's buddy Al uh, also happens to be on the bus and comes over to talk to them. And he talks about how he is deeply in love with this person he is with. They have so much to talk about. <laughs> and then it comes up that, oh, yeah, uh, I forget whether George tells him or whether Al's like, oh, I heard this or that. But um, he's with someone that Al knows. Daphne Bauer is her is the way George says it, which I found really weird at first. Daphne Bauer. Al mentions that Fulton is in the hospital and really wants to see Jerry because he needs a good laugh. And <laughs> George is like, oh, what about uh, what about me? And he, Al says that he didn't mention you, George. <laughs> um, and so Al, Al gets off the next stop and George says that, you know, he's like, who who goes around talking like that? How deeply in love they are. If you can't tell something bad about a relationship, you shouldn't say anything at all, which I think is. I, I kind of, again, I kind of agree with George here. You know, really? I mean, not that you should like continuously <laughs> trash, but like, who needs to hear that? Like, I assume all relationships are going well unless I hear otherwise. You know what I mean? Like, True. And, and almost True. like, and how often have you seen the people who go overboard with how much they're in love? <laughs> and those are the people who end up like divorced next week. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my god, we we got we got so many new characters in this scene. So, oh we, my, this we, was all exposition. It was if you couldn't tell. Oh my god! Well, it's like, oh yeah, hey Al, I'm dating Daphne. Do you hear Fulton's in the hospital? Who are these people? Yeah, Fulton's in the Jerry. Yeah, and like he he wants to see. You. They're like setting up every single storyline in this like little. <laughs> it's like <laughs> they set up everything in like a minute. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, if that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so where do you fall on George's, you know, um, because I think that I think that's boring to go around saying, oh, we're so deeply in love. You know, it, it's funnier when you're like, oh, my gosh, the, you know, my my girlfriend does this. My boyfriend does this. Like, I don't know. Just it's it's, it's more interesting, I guess, I mean, to, to admit that nothing is perfect. I guess I'm halfway between Al and George because like yeah. uh, I'm Grace and I definitely aren't as boring as George and Daphne. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I also don't only want to hear like the absolute worst of everyone's relationships, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's definitely a point on the other extreme where you can all you do is like genuinely complain and it gets uh-huh. uncomfortable when you're like, oh my gosh, like she spends all this money and then does it like, oh, well, I don't want to hear it. And like, then she doesn't do anything. She's lazy. And like, okay, well, I don't want to hear this. Like, this isn't interesting. This is, uh, this is troubling. This is deeply troubling. Yeah, like uh, for example, whenever I tell someone like uh, around around the office, uh, like I'll say like. Uh, I'll alternate between, oh yeah, Grace and I did this really fun thing uh, this past weekend, or, oh my god, I don't think I've seen Grace wash a dish in the last two years. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, it's a healthy balance, you know? Yeah, yeah. I suppose you do need a healthy balance, yeah. <laughs> uh, over in the apartment, Jerry is really feeling the pressure now of going to see Fulton in the hospital, because he knows he needs a laugh, and that's a lot of pressure to make someone laugh. And George... Uh, won't go to the hospital because it he can't hide his pity, he says. Again, I kind of feel the same as George here. I'm very uncomfortable around people who are having <laughs> actual problems. Like, I never... I'm so awkward around, well, what like... Do you, what do you do, typically? Like, I I feel like I'm probably like George, where I try to be nice, but, I'm, <laughs> but I also can't hide the fact that I'm, like, super uncomfortable. Like, it's, George doesn't sound like he's uncomfortable... Well, yeah, I guess he does. Yeah, it, it, he's uncomfortable. Like, I, I wouldn't call it pity. I would just say, like, what do I, what do I say? What do I do? You yeah. know, like, what do you want to hear right now? I just don't know. Get well soon. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, man, that, that sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I guess I feel like that's, that's, maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough. I don't know. Luckily, I don't, it doesn't come up very often. So I'm blessed. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Uh, Kramer and Mickey come in Another new character Yeah, Mickey, that's right And Jerry seems to know him But maybe just because he lives near Kramer Because it seems like a newish friend to Kramer From this job that we're going to hear about in a second But uh, if you listen to our Jingle All the Way Christmas episode You know that Mickey played a Christmas elf With Jim Belushi in the movie And that's why we watched it And (laughs) Kramer and Mickey have jobs as stand-ins On All My Children And Mickey is stand-in for an 8-year-old who is growing uh, to the point where he's going to Mickey's worried he's going to be put out of a job because mm-hmm. the kid is going to be much taller than him. Well, what did and, he say what did he say like at the beginning of the month he was 4 uh he was 4 foot now he's 4 2 and a half? Is yeah. that is that what it was? Yeah, I think so, something like that. And I like you know he's like I got to find a way to stop him from growing and Kramer goes, "I told you offer him cigarettes." <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious, but then I love the fact that Mickey goes I offered him cigarettes. His mom's his mom's always around or something like that. So it's not that it was a bad idea. It was like, I tried that already. Kramer says he should try lifts, you know, try wearing, putting lifts in his shoes. And, and Mickey says that, that he's not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of leaves it there. And George says, can't you just switch with another midget? And Mickey hey, he jumps stop- on him immediately. He stops and- dead. The reaction yeah. on Mickey's face, like he saw a ghost. And and it was uh, George insulting him. 
Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody, like Jerry goes, like everybody kind of goes, oh boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so Mickey corrects him right away and says that uh, they prefer to be called little people. And I just find it interesting that they address this in the synopsis and they address it in the episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so like, it's weird that like Mickey corrects him in the episode, but yet the guy that wrote it still wrote, "Nope, I'm doing this." Yeah, it's it's almost like in the episode uh, synopsis, uh, he's going against what the episode is uh, not teaching, but yeah. uh, I, I, what's a what's another way to say like not the lesson of the episode because it's not like preaching something, but right, right, just uh, the the content of the episode. Yeah, there's a little teachable moment in here, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's it is just weird that the synopsis went completely against <laughs> it so blatantly, uh, and so in the hallway, Kramer says, "You know, we're going to get some lifts right now." And Mickey says, "It's just not done. It's just not something that is done in the community." And over at the hospital, uh, Jerry is t- uh, showing up to give Fulton a good laugh, and of course, Fulton is played by Adam Driver. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, I was going to say, I'm like, holy shit, really? Because it looks like him. It looks, yeah, it looks like an alternate universe Adam Driver. Yeah, slightly blonder Adam <laughs> Driver. <laughs> also, like, what is Jerry doing when he comes in? Did you notice this? Like, he almost waddles in and he's like, whoa, whoa, Fulton. <laughs> I said Jerry enters like Krusty the Clown. <laughs> Hey! Like, yeah. <laughs> hey! Yeah. Jesus it, it is, it's really, but, I, you know, I think that this goes back to him knowing he has to perform for Fulton. He needs a good laugh. And so he opens with a great World War II joke about Leningrad. Oh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it obviously doesn't work on Fulton. And then he goes into a priest, a minister, and a rabbi joke, which was probably also big in the borscht belt mm-hmm. uh, around the time of Prohibition. Yeah, not, ju- uh, not just priest, a rabbi, and a minister. It's a priest, a rabbi, and a minister who are skydiving. Yeah, so a priest, a minister, and a rabbi are sky. So he's trying like <sighs> like clown jokes and street humor on him when he needs a good laugh, which <laughs> is, you know obviously is not going to work. Uh, over at Monks, George and Daphne are reading... Uh, at a meal as the as george references that they did and george tries conversation you know you know saying like how are the eggs let me just try to start a conversation and daphne goes eggs are eggs uh (laughs) by the way i'm using now what the way i always thought the name daphne was pronounced daphne not daphne as george for some reason and he's he launches into that here he goes Daphne and she goes daphne right as george is about to drop the axe and break up with her Daphne all of a sudden perks up and goes, oh, you know what? I ran into Al the other day, and (laughs) he told her not to get involved with George because Mm -hmm. he can't commit, and he would just end up hurting her. (laughs) And even though that's entirely true, George is completely offended that Al would say this to her about him. And he's like, maybe the... You know, in the past, I've been impulsive and and things like that, but those those days are well behind me. (laughs) And so... He refrains from breaking up with her as he was just planning on doing. <laughs> Did you find that Daphne Daphne thing kind of a weird device to insert into this episode? Uh, it was weird. Um, but again, like I'm watching with the closed captions on, and the entire time it's spelled Daphne. So I'm <laughs> like, it's never spelled like D O F N E or something. Uh, yeah. it's it's always spelled Daphne, but George just pronounces it Daphne for some reason. Even, I want, even I'm like, after why the scene, did they... even after the scene, he continues pronouncing it Daphne. 
I just find it so weird that they. I was like, was this a mistake? Like, like Jason Alexander didn't know how to pronounce it, and so and no one stopped him during production, and they were like, well, crap, it's actually Daphne. So now we need to go back and put in a little, you know, a little line that addresses it. Or I, I just thought it was really, really weird <laughs> because how many times has she done that? How many times has he said Daphne and she goes Daphne? It's just probably over and over again. Yeah. Uh, over at ABC, they are filming All My Children, uh, a scene for All My Children, and. It's the actor and the child in the scene, and then they, you know, need to stop and and actually uh, reset the scene, I guess, and and get the lighting. And so they call the stand-ins in, which are Kramer and Mickey. And I love that Kramer tells the actor good work. He like pats him on the back as he leaves, <laughs> and the actor gives him such a like, "Who the fuck are you?" Look, <laughs> like is the stand-in talking to me? Please tell me the stand-in is not talking to me and telling me good job. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. <laughs> Then Tammy comes over uh, and tells Mickey that he looks great. Mickey like takes the occasion to ask her out on a lunch date, and she's busy that day. But she's also like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, I, definitely, we, we'll we can do that in the in the future." And then Johnny comes over, and he's very confrontational. By the way, Tammy and Johnny are both little people as well. Yes, and Johnny also says, "You know what? Something does look different about you, and I don't know what it is, but I'm going to find out." Uh-huh. And uh, through all of this, Kramer is just sitting there, like kind of like cracking up, eating his sandwich, uh, yeah. not, not really <laughs> saying anything. Uh, I, I we did we did skip over. I wanted to point out whenever okay. they're uh, doing the lines uh, for these yeah. actors, M- Mickey just has like no inflection. He's like, "No, Daddy, please don't go. No, <laughs> Daddy, I love you." And Kramer's doing this so over the top acting <laughs> with his pipe he has a pipe in his mouth yeah, yeah. and then he gets down to like give mickey who's playing the son a hug and he just pokes mickey in the eye with his pipe <laughs> <laughs> yeah kramer's chewing the like he really i would guess most stand-ins are like mickey they go oh no please don't you know all, you, you're not there to actually deliver the line so <laughs> that's probably the way you're supposed to do it but kramer <laughs> thinks it's like a real acting gig <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely hilarious. Uh, over over at the hospital, Jerry is still bombing in Fulton's room, and he's telling a story. And this, uh, I'm so glad this episode came up because I, I had forgotten how much it confused me, and still to this day does. As a kid, he's telling a story about a pachyderm, which I thought was an elephant, like uh, a, a, the name of of uh, an animal in the elephant family, a pachyderm. And it's a joke about a pachyderm and pizza and the pachyderm is carrying like still to this day, even when I was, you know, however old I was, 12 or 13 Uh and this episode was on and I'd watch it. I still picture an elephant trying to hold pizza in his giant, um, you know, giant elephant hooves or whatever they are <laughs> and so i didn't i don't know what's going on but the the, the joke is bombing the story's bombing whatever it is and mm-hmm. jerry even has flop sweat which i love like he's just sweating up there oh my god uh, he's sweating bullets yeah before we get to the, a new, another new character coming in do you know what the hell was going on with this pachyderm joke i have no idea i was so lost and that's why i'm confused by every instance that it's brought up in this episode <laughs> Yeah, pachyderm. And he's like, uh, the pachyderm. Uh, oh, you remember the pachyderm. I'm like, what in the world are they talking about? I, yeah, I have no idea. Super confusing. Uh, and I don't think we're going to figure it out by the end of this episode, like you uh, kind of alluded to. Uh, and so Phil comes in, and you know he's also there to kind of visit Fulton and cheer him up. And uh, you know he asks Jerry <laughs> how he's doing and stuff like that. And, and uh, ag- that's pretty much it. And again, a s- another super weird entrance to visit Fulton. <laughs> Phil comes in, and he's like, Hey, 
Fulton, Octane, Butane, Nitrane. I'm like, what? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe Fulton's last name, which got cut from the script, had something to do with that. It's really weird. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. Do, is, is, Fulton, <laughs> is Fulton in the hospital because of a gas explosion on a train? <laughs> Yeah. Because, I, I mean, octane, butane, nitrate. What? Why? What? Is that funny? No Is that humor? Right. Yeah. I have no idea. It's another inside joke, like the pachyderm story, that we're just not, they're just not going to let us inside. <laughs> I guess they so. They don't feel like that's important. I guess so. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, so back at the apartment, Jerry tells Elaine about Phil. Phil Totola is his name. And, you know, like, of all my guy friends, uh, I, I could see you with him the most. Like, I mm-hmm. don't know why I've never thought about this before. And I, I thought this exchange was, like, very funny in, like, a really weird way. So Elaine goes, if you were a woman, would you date him? And Jerry <laughs> goes, if I was a woman, I'd be down at the dock waiting for the fleet to come in. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I thought that was so... <laughs> unbelievably weird but like also funny on a level that Seinfeld isn't funny on normally like Jerry's like if I was a woman I'd just be trying to get fucked by as many dudes as possible (laughs) (laughs) and so that's you're like okay like are you a little bit bi then is that what that means like (laughs) it's got so many levels to it you know what i mean maybe oh Oh my god it almost almost sounds like he's thought about it he's like oh if i was a woman i just want to get railed 24 7 like (laughs) by a penis right like yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) i'm sorry for the frank discussion but that's the only way that i can read this joke (laughs) we will definitely just have to put a uh explicit label on this episode (laughs) yeah yeah because now we're not saying it is like an expletive like now we're describing the act i say we i'm sorry to drag you sorry to drag you down to the filth with me ted Uh. i I mean i i I put the explicit label on episodes where we just use it as an expression uh but now that now that we're describing the actual act so it it, i think this might be our most explicit episode (laughs) yeah yeah it reminds me of a joke uh, again because i don't know why these jokes always stick out to me but um, I remember an episode of Saved by the Bell where someone said something similar to A.C. Slater and they were like, oh, I think it was probably a Jesse Slater interaction, uh, oh, you no. know, Jesse, the feminist on the show. Yeah. And so she was like, oh, if you were a woman, blah, blah, blah. And he says something like, if I was a woman, I I wouldn't leave the women's bathroom or something like that. And I was like, does that mean you just want to watch them pee? Like, what are you doing in there? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, it's just anytime... Uh, you know like maybe maybe the writers think like oh no one thinks about it that much well guess what i do okay so stop writing <laughs> jokes like this about what you do if you were a woman uh, but but then again i guess you know what it's 2020 gender's fluid maybe this is one instance where seinfeld was ahead of its time maybe maybe <laughs> ted i'm i'm gonna talk about this for the next hour and a half okay <laughs> This one joke. I can tell you want to move on. <laughs> we're we're going to break down this joke for two hours. Okay, it starts this, with this, the word this, this is going to be a two-parter episode. Yeah. Get ready. I mean, I can't. I thought it was. Okay. But, but Elaine, <laughs> says, Elaine, Elaine says okay to the hookup. She's down with uh, meeting up with Phil. Yeah. So uh, George comes in and he tells Elaine and Jerry about Al's comments about him. And George is going to keep dating Daphne just completely out of spite. And... <laughs> George, I mean, Jerry, I think, unironically agrees. He's like, what else can you do? (laughs) 
You know, like no one's going to no, I, I and, and this is another instance that I agree. The second I hear someone think something about me, like, oh, yeah, you're the guy that does this. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. Like, I will do everything in my power from that point on <laughs> to never do that again, you know, to never bring that up again. If I'm the guy that does this or that, mm-hmm. like, oh, well, for, you can forget that aspect of my personality because it is gone. Yeah. Thanks to you. Are you that same way? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and I don't think I'm that way at all. But then again, someone could probably point something out to me, and I'll just get like kind of super self conscious about it. Yeah, and uh, that's what partly it's self conscious. Partly it's like I, I have this um, image in my head that of wanting to just. I mean, I guess maybe everyone. Th- this is what it comes down to, pro- and probably everyone can relate to this. You don't want to be pigeonholed. You yeah, know, like, oh, exactly. you're this. Like, oh, you can't explain me that easily, even if it's I, true. I know. Um, we were on. Uh, this is probably pulling the curtain back a little too far. Uh, but we were uh, at a remote yesterday and our setup guy was telling me that he was down at an event with uh my this this feels weird to say to you but my morning show co-host uh <laughs> yeah. because she's formerly your morning show co-host <laughs> but they were talking to a woman who saw our TV bit our TV segment and she says to our co-host uh oh that Ted needs to get rid of his hat because I, I sometimes I'll wear like one of my beanies or one of my hats on TV, and I'm like, okay, what a weird thing to point out. But now, yeah. but like later on, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh god, why, why am I always wearing a hat? Am, am I just ashamed <laughs> of how far my hairline is going back? Well, do, 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 do I need to take my hat off? Do I need to constantly fix my hair and put product in it for Friday mornings? So I'm just kind of like <laughs> overthinking it, you know. Yeah, yeah, but it didn't make you want to, like, oh, well, you know what, screw that lady, I'm going to wear my hat all the time, because no one tells me what to do, that's the other part for, of it, too, like... For a split re- second, it did make me want to just always wear my hat. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to wear two hats next week, lady. <laughs> I'm going to wear a hat with two brims on it. So part of it is, like, not wanting to be figured out, part of it's not wanting to be pigeonholed, and part of it is, like, a rebellion, like, no one tells me what to do, like, mm-hmm. you think you know me, Al? Who are you to think that you're, you, you know, you've got... You've got everybody figured out, and you're so smart, and you're not smarter than me. Uh, I, I can just see George's line of thinking there. And and that's why Jerry, I think, unironically agrees. I, do you think he was being ironic when he was like, well, what other choice do you have? Maybe As he a kind little of bit. is with George. Maybe, yeah. maybe a little bit. Because that, that is kind of the way that Jerry is with George. Like He sort of like just plays along with him and tells him what he wants to hear, I guess, for <laughs> lack of a better term. You know, like, oh, well, what other choice do you have? But it's sarcastic. You yeah. Know? Like, of course, you could break up with this woman, never see her or Al ever again for the rest of your life. But no, you have to prove to a guy you see once on a bus every six years that he's not, he hasn't figured you out or whatever. <laughs> it's very petty, but that's a level of pettiness that I aspire to. George's level of pettiness. God. <laughs> Over at ABC Studios where they film All My Children, uh, Mickey is back in the locker room and his locker has been opened and the lifts have been removed from his shoes, oh. sending him into a panic yeah. about what's been discovered about him. So someone knows. Someone knows that he's uh, he's added. I, I won't say the term that he gives to it because we won't get to that until the next scene. But some, <laughs> but someone uh, knows that he's added lifts to his shoes. Yeah, yeah. Over the apartment, Fulton ha- is worse since Jerry visited <laughs> him. Uh, and kramer is there and he suggests well did you tell him the pachyderm story and and elaine did the same thing asked jerry if he told him the pachyderm story and he and jerry says of course i did and it still hasn't worked and uh kramer says that you know he should go visit him because he's a miracle worker when it comes to uh visiting people in hospitals they just get better sick people get better when they're around kramer uh and mickey comes in and tells kramer that johnny went through his locker 
and I loved it. I thought this was just very good writing. That little bastard, <laughs> and that got it actually got a pretty big laugh, like a bigger laugh than little bastard should. Yeah, because he is a little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a really good line, and yeah, ve- very, very uh, delivered very well as well. Yes. Yeah, totally. And Kramer and, and Mickey start fighting, which, um, you know, and it gets physical and Jerry has to like break it up. Uh, so that's pretty funny. And Johnny, we find out Mickey says he's jealous that, you know, Mickey gets all the big stars to stand in for. Uh, the Cosby Kids is the first one he mentions. And we'll stop right there <laughs> because. Oh, <laughs> I mean, like, hey, first the, of all, hey, the kids on the Cosby show didn't do anything wrong. The kids on the Cosby show did nothing wrong. That's true. That's our hashtag for this episode. <laughs> but as far as I know, the purpose of a stand in is to so that the actors don't have to stand, literally stand there yes. for a, a very long time while they make sure the lighting is correctly. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the Cosby kids were the same color as, as their father, the same race as their father on the show. They were African-American. And so why would you hire a pale white Stand in. Uh, what the what the stand in looks like isn't necessarily important. Uh, it's literally just you need someone who is the height and the same like kind of body type because they're they're looking to like point the lighting. They're looking to see like okay, we need to angle the mic here. Uh, and so- my 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 response to that is that lights play differently off of different colored skin. Hmm. Maybe that's the that's the issue. Like different color, different style of hair, different color of skin. And it's the color of skin that Mickey does not have. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. That yeah, that's where I that's where I was like, well, hold up, that's the first. I mean, I know it's funny because like, oh, I stood in for the Cosby Kids. It was obviously a huge show, and like, but again, I'm putting way too much thought into it. I'm like, if you're gonna stand in, you need at least kind of the same hair and makeup and everything as, Maybe, as the other. Yeah. So, do you think it's possible they put Mickey in blackface when he was um, standing? Up? Oh boy, I didn't even think of this. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, maybe. <laughs> I, I may, maybe they're implying that. Maybe, maybe. I think. I think we. I mean, it. It. It is implied whether they meant to or not. <laughs> I don't think they were implying it. I think they were just like, all right, who are some funny kids we can mention? You know, and they start That's with true. the Cosby kids. And there, there for sure, there were kids on the Cosby Show that popped up, like Rudy's friends and stuff like that, that were white. So mm-hmm. maybe that's maybe he said Cosby kids and was sort of playing yeah. with his own resume, making it sound better than it was. Like, oh, what do you mean, like a uh, Raven Simone? Like, uh, no, I mean uh, the white kid. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I know I, I forget who the second kid is that he mentioned, but I know the third one was Macaulay Culkin, who yeah. I, I feel like was way too big. At, at this point in 94 i think macaulay culkin was older than like uh he, he was like 14 or something already yeah this was well past this was a couple of years past home alone and th- i think 94 i want to say is when richie rich came out so he was still pretty young but i you know I, I don't know how he aged when he was when he was small you know if he was one of those True. kids that was like a teenager but he was you know still pretty short or still had his a baby face or whatever um but i i i looked that up because i was like all right what was macaulay culkin macaulay culkin doing at this point and he might you know mickey might have been a stand-in for macaulay on the home alone movies maybe maybe that's you what know? he's implying yeah uh and the ricky schroeder the one in the middle is uh was a child star also on a show called silver spoons back in the day oh. and then yeah and then changed when he grew up quote unquote um he changed his name to rick schroeder and i think he was on nypd blue for a little bit oh okay yeah yeah ricky schroeder though uh child actor and i think he was on a show before silver spoons or maybe even a couple after but yeah just just another child actor from uh 94 not too long ago yeah. um and 
yeah, Macaulay Culkin, of course, we all know. And someone asks uh, what he's like, and Mickey says he's nice or something like that. <laughs> um, and Mickey could be ostracized from the little people community for heightening, yes. as he puts it. That's the term you're referring to. Yes. He knows I'm heightening. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, over at uh, George and Daphne, they're in a car and, uh, after a date, presumably, and a Saturday night date. Daphne is describing this long, very active, but also very uninteresting and boring Sunday <laughs> yeah. that she wants to do. Her, her idea of a fun day, really. Oh, yeah. And George then, to get out of it, he makes up an excuse about a father-son picnic that his dad was planning, which is <laughs> one of the funniest things you could say. One of the funniest things George could say, uh, us knowing his dad. Yes. He, he's been planning this <laughs> George's dad wants to spend as little time with his family as possible is, the, is what I get from it. So it's just, it's so funny. You know, Frank is funny even when he's not in the episode, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he just is. Then Daphne says, maybe you're uh, not serious about what you were talking about earlier, about moving in. Maybe Al was right. Ooh. And she, yeah. Yeah. And George is like, you know, again, once again, offended by this. He's like, no, nope, I'm canceling the picnic. Dad is going to be really upset. He bought a new blanket and everything. I think he said. <laughs> <laughs> did, did um, what is? Uh, I don't know what you and I, I mean outside of obviously recording this podcast, but I, I don't know like what you and Sarah's typical like uh, good Sunday is. But yeah. Grace and I's is very similar to what Daphne is describing. Like we like to sleep late, uh, if possible. Uh-huh. We like to go get breakfast. We don't read the paper because we're not seventy. Uh, <laughs> but and we don't really want to go for a long walk, especially not in February. Right. But uh, but for I, sure, when when warmer weather runs around, you might take the dog out. Yeah, yeah, Sunday. I'll, yeah. I'll take him out for like a, a bit longer around the park. But Daphne describing this and George sa- and kind of giving the expression of "Oh, how boring yeah. is this?" I'm thinking, I'm like, oh man, those are all things I like to do. <laughs> but you're doing them with someone that you actually like, that's and that's true. the difference. That's true. <laughs> it's. I mean, that's that's one of the. If I could get you know a little deeper for a second, that's one of the reasons that I knew that Sarah was someone I wanted to marry uh, and and the one I wanted to marry was I was like there are weekends when we're together for a straight 72 hours and it's not that big of a deal I'm like and I don't care you know and I'm like oh okay yeah like I don't even like being around myself for that long so the fact that someone else can also stand me for like we're not out of each other's sight line for 72 hours straight oh my god once I realized that, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it all kind of made sense. <laughs> and so George is not ready to move in with Daphne. That's what I'm saying. That would be an awful decision. <laughs> but I love that he would. I think he said, I don't know whether it's coming up or whether it's later, that he, like, he'd get married. Uh, that, I, I forget that, when he says that. That does come up, but it comes up later. It is later. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Like he's, com- he, like he's committed to commitment only to prove this guy wrong. Yes. Uh, so Elaine is uh, on her date with Phil as well because it's Saturday night and she's telling the pachyderm story Good and Lord. Phil is cracking up like it's actually working like Elaine is is uh, you know telling the story and and cracking up about it and then um, you know the the story ends and there's kind of that uh, end of date awkwardness and Elaine's like well um, good night and Phil goes good night and Elaine goes well and then she leans in for a kiss but then she looks down at Phil's crotch and her eyes go wide and she has like a very shocked look on her face. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh, over in the apartment, 
Jerry is on the phone with somebody, and he's pleading to come see Fulton again. He wants, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He wants, um, not revenge, but uh, something like that. He wants another shot. Uh-huh. Just, he wants another shot at making him <laughs> laugh. Uh, and, and then Elaine comes in. And she's being very coy at yes. first, like, oh, hey, like, oh, um, nothing. And I'm, I don't have anything interesting to say. And uh, hang, hang on one second. Did you remember uh, before watching this episode what Phil did? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, then I so I will uh, say I didn't think it was this. I thought <laughs> I thought she was just going to say, oh, yeah, he had a huge heart on like <laughs> at, at the end of the day. And it was just like. Uh, surprising or something because they're just sitting there in a car <laughs> and she was maybe going to give him a kiss. I, yeah. I, I didn't think it was leading to this. Right. Well, I'm not saying he didn't have a huge heart on, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> inside his pants. The, inside oh, his inside, pants. Inside his pants. I see. I see. Um, yeah. Well, so when Lane comes in, I didn't remember last week when you when you just read the synopsis or I would have like mentioned it to you like, oh, Ted, this is going to be interesting. But, but Lane, you know, I, I did like the way she's playing this. Like, oh, nothing interesting here. Like, she's just waiting to drop the bomb on Jerry. And the bomb is that he took it out. And so once again, we're getting like oh. some some contest level speaking about something that you're not allowed to talk about on Prime TV. They're yes. just like, they're saying he took it out. What do you mean? He took it out, it out. <laughs> he took it out. Like, they're just saying that over and over again. And, and Jerry's like incredulous. So hashtag believe women, Jerry, first of all. Yeah. I mean... I, I mean, how how unfortunately timely is this scenario? <laughs> like, I, I didn't know uh, Jerry was setting a lane up with Louis C.K. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. And then Jerry's like, are you sure? <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, believe women, Jerry. Like, 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 they- <laughs> what, what else would it have been if Elaine's not sure? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But Jerry, mostly it like shifts to like him just not understanding how Phil is capable of like, how can this be? And I like Jerry. <laughs> Elaine's like, any other friends you want to set me up with? <laughs> God. And Kramer comes in and he inquires about the date with Phil. And Elaine's like, he took it out. And Kramer's got a great reaction to that. He like, it's just another great Michael Richards physical reaction that you just yeah, can't put into words. Yeah. But like Jerry's, uh, Jerry's comeback to why he can't believe it. He's like, oh, he's he's a good guy. We play softball together. I'm like. <laughs> That that means that he's not gonna take it out on a date, apparently. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And Kramer's like, well, maybe it needed some air. <laughs> maybe oh, it needed God. some air. <laughs> you know, it could suffocate down there. <laughs> uh, so once again, now Kramer again trying to make excuses for Phil and taking it out, and why that that would be okay in that situation uh-huh. where Phil uh, did not have consent. A, uh, let's a, say a much different time than than the year twenty twenty. <laughs> Yep, yep. Oh, and it's going to get much better, too, because George, in the next scene in Monks, Jerry's now, you know, explaining to George what Phil did. And here's George. Uh, here's George's reading of it. Wow. I've spent so much time trying to get their clothes off. I never thought of taking mine off. Eee. That's good, George, because you obviously wait until you're, there's consent yes. that they want to see your genitals. <laughs> yeah, Yes, but like even then, George is thinking, huh, maybe I should start doing that. Exactly. He's like, you know what? That's a great idea. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) And so meanwhile, George is not just bored with Daphne at this point. He genuinely dislikes her. But this is where he says, all right, this is where it comes up, where he says, I'll get married before I break up with her. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, and then he tells Jerry, 
it's amazing because Jerry's like, you're, you're an idiot, essentially, is what he's telling George. Mm-hmm. And George's like, you know, it's amazing. You still don't know what makes me tick. And Jerry's like, yes, I do. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I do. And you belong in a mental institution. <laughs> yeah. Or, or no, uh, Jerry, Jerry delivers the line. You know, George, they're doing wonderful things at mental institutions these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's where he's like, you know, you still don't know what makes me tick. He's like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> Uh, you're disturbed. So over at the hospital, Phil is leaving the room and um, Phil asks Jerry about Elaine and how, you know, that he hasn't called her since, uh, you know, they haven't talked since the date or whatever. He's like, you know, I, I don't know what I did wrong. And Jerry's like, well, you showed her who you are. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> and then Phil sees a woman breastfeeding, quote unquote, in public. We're in a hospital. Yeah. Which you like that. that that's. One of, I mean, it's acceptable to do in public, but yeah. that is one of the most common places that a woman is going to breastfeed, I feel like. Yeah, that's where you're going to see an amalgam of body parts. Good and you just got to be, you know, you just got to be comfortable with it. That's where they work on the human body, you know? <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, it's it's funny that, Phil, you know, Phil is so offended by it. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe that? Um, and he was like, well, that, you know, and Jerry, I think, goes, no, I think Phil says, that's the last thing you want to see. And Jerry goes, yeah, well, next to last thing you want to see. Uh, I can't believe Phil, and maybe he did, but I can't believe Phil didn't pick up on, you know, Jerry's very obvious jibes at the way he operated after the date. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because, I, I mean, he knows that Elaine's probably going to tell Jerry what happened on the date. They're friends. Jerry set Elaine up with Phil, and Phil yeah. knows what he did unless this is just a super normal thing for Phil to do on every single first date that he goes on, so he doesn't think twice about it. Oh, yeah, it's it's not the first time he's done it. I totally oh, agree no, with that. absolutely. This is his MO, and it has worked before for whatever reason, or else he wouldn't, you know, if the first woman had called the police or whatever, uh, <laughs> you know, then he wouldn't be, but, but it has worked before, and <laughs> it, it is his go-to move. It's worked at least once. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's what he does. So, yeah, that's probably right. You're, that's probably what it is. It's so normalized. He's like, well, I don't know what I did wrong. I mean, most women like it when I pull it out, you know, or whatever. <laughs> Uh, in his mind, it's been it's been normalized. And then so Fulton, you know, so Jerry is now going into Fulton rooms and he enters like he's going on stage. He said earlier to George is like, he's like, I'm not even going to say hello. I'm just going to break into material. You know, he's not <laughs> even going to greet actually Fulton. He's going to treat it like, uh, you know, a Tonight Show appearance or whatever. So he, you know, he runs in like he's going out on stage like, hey, hey, how's it going? <laughs> and and some, or something like that. Over at ABC, Kramer and... Mickey are playing rock, paper, scissors, but they're playing in a way where nothing beats rock. So they both just keep <laughs> shooting rock. The, they're, which is, they're beating. They're playing in a way that Mickey can only win. <laughs> yeah. But then they both or, or they can only tie because once Kramer finds out nothing beats rock, <laughs> they just start throwing rock because, uh, you know, it, like Kramer throws paper and Mickey's like, no, rock flies right through paper. And Kramer's like, well, what's beat, beats rock? And Mickey's like, nothing beats rock. So then the game kind of reaches a stalemate there. And Tammy comes over, and she cancels the lunch with Mickey, and a crowd starts gathering because it's gotten out that he is heightening, and Mickey is pleading with them, saying, you know, any of you would do the same thing, and, you know, it's, it's he's being judged very harshly, it seems like, by this mm-hmm. giant, silent mm-hmm. crowd, and Johnny comes over, and he and Tammy go off to lunch, and then... Mickey turns to Kramer because it's all his fault that he got lifts. And once again, Kramer, I think, is just chilling, eating a sandwich, right? I, I don't know what Kramer's doing, but he's just kind of sitting there, I think. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he was just sitting there at this point. But at any rate, Mickey runs over and tackles Kramer, knocking him off the little apple box that he was sitting on <laughs> uh, onto his back. 
over at the hospital, Fulton is cracking up. And Jerry's actually in the middle of a joke about Superman, so we got a, a, a spoken, oh, wow. a vocal yeah. Superman reference as in well, this episode. As well as uh, the fridge in Jerry's apartment, they redid the magnets again, so there's not the Superman magnet, but there's a colored drawing of Superman. Oh, wow. I'll on, on, keep on an the, eye out for On that. the side of the fridge now. And huh. I, I want to point this out before we get to, well, the, the end of this scene, I guess. Uh, I'm watching this with Grace, and she's sitting on the couch, and she hears Fulton cracking up, and she's like, oh, God, he's going to die, isn't he? <laughs> yeah he definitely that that's exactly what happens and, Fulton laughs at the point and then there's <laughs> silence uh, Fulton literally dies of laughter yeah got too good of a laugh from Jerry <laughs> uh, over at Monk's Daphne and George are there a, and another post credit yeah. scene by the way exactly yeah I started looking I was like oh no did we have a stand up bit and I was like oh no this nope. was it this was it because I hadn't written it down uh, over at Monk's uh, Daphne Starts breaking up with George, and George can barely contain his excitement. <laughs> like, he's he's trying to make it look like, you know, he's playing up absolute joy for absolute desperation, like putting his hand over his mouth, mm-hmm. like, you know, but, but he just, like, could not be more excited about the fact that she says she's met someone else, she went out with some friends, and there was a mix-up, and she met someone else, and she's like, it's someone you know, actually, and... She says a name that I didn't write down, but then George is like, Pachyderm? Jerry so, Jerry Persack. Jerry Persack, and George says Pachyderm. So Pachyderm and, has been a person this entire time. Yeah, a, a person, but I want to know why he has that nickname and why it has the in front of it. You know, like, mm. he's the Pachyderm. I, I don't know. Not that a nickname can't, but I'm like, why did they? And then the Pachyderm comes over and blah, blah, blah. It just when you're telling a story, I don't know. It just it just seems really still really weird to me that it's somebody's. It's his nickname, I guess, right? Yeah, apparently, and we we haven't been let into that joke prior to I don't know, 21 minutes and 30 seconds into a 22 minute episode. Yeah, and so when you're saying the pachyderm, that's why I picture an elephant holding pieces of pizza, like like all you had to do was you know like reference it somehow in the very beginning and go you know oh jerry well we call him pachyderm uh blah 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 i don't know something well, like I mean, that i mean hey this is already our most explicit episode that we've ever recorded <laughs> maybe he's called the pachyderm just because he's got a huge trunk ah that may be that may be true and he takes it out at the end of dates <laughs> oh no oh no he, he takes it out and he slurps water with it <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm hoping there's something in the trivia notes or whatever that explain why pachyderm is such a uh, prevalent term in this episode and why it's the nickname of a person and why they thought we would know that when they were telling a story about an elephant holding pizza. But that's the end of the episode. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, did we have any homework that we want to want to look up? Huh. I mean, besides the mystery of the pachyderm, I, I don't think so, right? I, I don't think so. Nothing really came up, I don't think. Hmm. Um, uh, okay, so let's let's try and come up with a better description. I know, right. I know that we can. So we had, when Kramer is hired as a stand-in on a soap opera, he befriends a quote-unquote little person, but his, advi- his advice on how to look taller doesn't sit well with, uh, no quotes, the midget's other friends. <laughs> Elsewhere, George is ready to break up with his girlfriend. Ugh, that's such a dumb... That, both of those... I mean, the George line, that's not what it's about. It's George not. is ready to break up with his girlfriend? That's not what it's about. Uh, so the first one, how about Kramer uh, advises... Uh, or Kramer gives troubling advice to a fellow soap opera stand-in? 
or something like that. Hmm, maybe. Kramer gives potentially bad advice to a fellow soap opera stand-in or TV show stand-in, something like that. Okay. That lets us know that, A, Kramer is a stand-in. So yeah. is this other person. They're going to get advice about something. It may not be the best thing to do. Hmm. Okay. I like that. Uh, what would what would you touch as far as the George thing? Would you even add that to the to the description? Um, hmm. I, I feel like if we wanted to, it would be something like uh, George tries to prove. Let me see. Um, man, I I was almost gonna make it lo- like something like this. <laughs> let me let me throw this at him. Maybe you can make it shorter. Like George tries to prove an acquaintance doesn't know him as well as he thinks he does. Something like that. You know, like I know that's super wordy and long, but. What do you what do you think about at least the sentiment of it? Hmm. I I do like the idea of it, but what about George? Uh, what about just George tries to prove a colleague wrong, or George tries to prove a friend wrong? Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not adverse to that. Okay, okay. Yeah. So so what do we got then? Kramer gives potentially bad advice to a fellow soap opera stand-in, and semicolon. George <laughs> tries to prove a colleague wrong. Are they friends or are they colleagues? I don't even know. I, I that's why I used acquaintance. Okay, it uh, seems like. And George tries to prove an acquaintance wrong. Yeah, there I we like go. That. All right, I think that works. Yeah, <laughs> it, it may be just as wordy, but I think we really cleaned it up. Oh man. Okay, so next week we've got season five, episode seventeen, "The Wife." Original air date: St. Patty's Day, March seventeenth, nineteen ninety four. If you're looking in TV Guide that night, you're going to see Jerry lets his girlfriend pose as his wife so that she can receive his dry cleaning discount, but the scam backfires when his family learns of his marriage and Meryl <laughs> discovers some unexpected items in Jerry's laundry. Oh, <sighs> sweet. We don't have to, uh, we don't even have to watch the episode because it just gave everything away. Did it really? Well, I mean, it, it certainly, <laughs> I mean, there's some mystery left, like the unexpected items, whatever, but yeah, I, I think we can. <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> yeah, we're going to, that one's going to be chopped up. <laughs> I, I can already tell you, you just stop it. Uh, Jerry's girlfriend pretends to be his wife to get his laundry discount. Boom. Boom. That's it. I'm wondering if these... Now we don't have to do that episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next week, we've, we've, we've got episode 18. Uh, but no, I, I wonder I wonder if these horribly long episode descriptions are going are gonna to continue whenever Seinfeld moves to Netflix. Oh, good question. Good question. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. Yeah, or or if they just keep the same ones because it seemed like they used to be good and then they got really long and wordy. I'm thinking like that somebody got fired or promoted around season uh, the end, like the middle of season four, and then the <laughs> new person took over in season five and just it does not have the brevity, the no. the skill with brevity that the last person did. <laughs> it does seem like two different people. The longer we go on with this, it really does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, okay. So I think that's it, right? Yeah, that's it. All right, for No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Haldwell. Be good.